Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today we are continuing our study of defining the upward call of God and the challenges we face in fulfilling that very call. As I have mentioned from the beginning of the series, that scriptures teach us that every single human being, whether saved or unsaved, was born with a unique destiny, a unique purpose, a unique calling that God placed upon every individual's life. And we have a choice. And the choice is either we choose the way or the plan that God has for us, or we choose to decide our own way and do our own thing. Well, we are going to conclude the series of studies today with lesson number four. And I want us to once again read the words that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi on the subject that we are currently studying. The subject is, of course, defining or explaining what this upward call of God is on our lives and the difficulties, the challenges that we face in fulfilling that very call. Please turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, and we will read two verses, verse 13 and verse 14. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, among other things, he says to them, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As I have mentioned, our lesson today is the fourth and final lesson of this series. I want to encourage you to go over the previous messages on the subject, even if you heard them before, so that you can grasp the spirit of what we are currently studying. Going over the teaching again and again, I believe helps us retain and digest the essence of what is taught. In my own private study, there are messages and teachings on certain subjects that I have listened to more than half a dozen times. Why? Because I believe repetition helps me to retain what is taught. If you desire me or want me to send you my notes, I gladly will do so, so that you can go over the scriptures 
and the entire message, if you will. Too many times, I believe, we jump from one teaching to another without giving the word that we've heard enough time to take root in our heart. The word we hear needs time to sink down into our spirits and take root in our innermost being. Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, and we've read that in several of our teachings in the series. He said that those who have no root in themselves are easily blown away by the affliction and the persecution the enemy brings against the word they have heard. That is why we need to give the word time and study to drop down from our intellect deep down into our spirits, our innermost being, then it becomes part of us. Amen. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Notice the word that the scripture uses. Faith comes by hearing, not having heard, but hearing, present tense, and hearing. Just because we heard it once or twice, it doesn't mean we have grasped what is taught. And that's so important. Now today, today's lesson is entitled, The Value of the Scriptures Combined with Prayer. The value of the scriptures combined with prayer. In all of the challenges we face in fulfilling the call of God or the will of God on our lives, we can be assured of this one thing, that the Lord's presence is with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised us several times in the scriptures that he would not leave us as orphans or leave us alone, but he will come to us in the person of the Holy Spirit in order to assist and to help us run the race and finish our course well. In my weakest moments, the Spirit of God would always rise up within me. And he would give direction to my spirit. He would give illumination to my mind by highlighting and reminding me of the promises of God that are given to us from the scriptures. I recall an incident when we came down to Cape Town almost 29 years ago to buy a house and launch our ministry. In other words, uh, move from Johannesburg that we were staying for a year or so and come down to Cape Town. We were somehow talked into signing an offer to purchase a house by an astute agent somewhere in Bloberg. I recall that very evening my wife had no peace. She was in tears all night. She was not happy at all. Well, 
the spirit stirred up within me, rose up and began to pray in another language, in another tongue, to pray in the spirit. And I recall I almost prayed all night until I sensed a breakthrough in the spirit. And I knew that somehow God is going to get involved in this situation. The very next day, that very agent called and informed us that our offer to purchase the house was no longer in force because the first guy who signed an offer managed to get a loan from the bank. Well, thank God for the Holy Spirit. There is no value that we can place on his presence within us. That was not all, though. After we signed up for another house, the house that we are now living in, and traveled back to Johannesburg, a few days later, that same agent, he called us and told us that the house was now available if we wanted, because something went wrong with the first guy. He didn't elaborate what went wrong. Well, I know what happened. The Lord must have sent his angel and muddled them up in order to rescue us from buying a house that we didn't even want. A house that we would have spent more money on it that we could afford. What price can you put on the presence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit helping us to get out of that situation? Once you sign an offer to purchase, you put a deposit, you know, you, you lost that money. You, you are locked in to buy that house. Besides the Lord's presence in the Holy Spirit, the Lord has given us his written word, the Holy Scriptures, and the ordinance of prayer in order to aid us in our fight of faith. Now, let's take a look at what Paul had to say concerning the importance and the value of the word of God, the written word of God. Writing to Timothy, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through to 17, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through to 17, Paul said to Timothy, from you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Praise the Lord forevermore. For the word of God. Notice, Paul placed great emphasis on Timothy knowing the Holy Scriptures and being educated in the word of God even from a child, saying that the Scriptures are instrumental in completing us and thoroughly equipping us 
for every good work. There it is again, family, being prepared and thoroughly equipped through the scriptures for the good works we are called to do is of utmost importance. I cannot emphasize this enough. Illiteracy and ignorance of the word of God is the number one reason for every kind of failure. The word of God says, my people are destroyed. Why? For a lack of knowledge, knowledge of his word, knowledge of his ways. Amen. It does not matter what your calling in life is or what your God-given purpose is. Your preparation in the word of God is indispensable. Whether you are a nurse, a teacher, a lawyer, an accountant, a mother in the house, a wife, a husband, a father, a businessman, your preparation in the word of God is indispensable if you are to bear the kind of fruit God expects from you. This is not just for pastors or evangelists or ministers of the word of God, those who labor within the confines of the church. This is for every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing the Holy Scriptures, understanding the word of God is vitally important for you to succeed and prosper in your divine mission. Throughout the Bible, we read the testimony of the great men and women of God who, who gave honor in regards to the value of the word of God. What made them great in the eyes of the Lord was the love and the devotion to the Holy Scriptures. They literally loved God's word. The psalmist said, how I love your law, Lord. It is my meditation all day long. Right at the beginning of Joshua's ministry, the Lord instructed him on the value and the importance of God's word if he was to succeed in his mission. Take a look at with me, please. Joshua chapter one, verse eight. The book of Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord is speaking to him and he's saying, giving him instructions just before he goes into the promised land. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The Lord said to Joshua that if he was to succeed in his mission, he was to do three things with the word of God. First, he must continually say and speak what God says in his word. In other words, his conversation. His words must line up and agree with the word of God. The second thing he told him to do was to meditate in the word day and night. In other words, think on the word constantly. And number three, carefully observe 
to obey what is written. I believe that the same instructions apply to us today as spirit-filled and New Testament believers. We are to continually speak the word of God. Our conversation must line up with his words and say what God says in every circumstance of life. How can you do that unless you know what God thinks about every circumstance of life? We are to watch carefully over our words, of course, the words that come out of our mouth, because the power of life and death, according to the scripture, is in our tongue. Let's look at together two verses from Proverbs chapter 18. We will read verse 21st and then 21. Proverbs 18 verse 20 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Wow. That is a very revealing and powerful verse of scripture, folks. Our mouth has been given the ability to produce the kind of fruit that satisfies. Words produce the fruit of peace, the fruit of love, faith, and many other good and wholesome fruit. Amen. Are you with me? Watch what you say. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit, either life or death and destruction. Our tongue can also produce the fruit of death fear, torment, and many other evil and perverse fruit. That's why we have to carefully choose our words and align them with God's thoughts and God's words for our life. I believe that many of us are still very ignorant of the authority and the tremendous power that has been placed in the words we choose to speak. The Bible says that the power of life and death is not in the hands of God. It's in the hands of our tongue. Amen. So we are to speak life and not death. The psalmist said, I will not die, but live and declare the works of God. Amen. We should also speak life, health, healing, deliverance. We should speak words that produce peace and love and faith and encouragement, not only to ourselves, but to those around us, to our spouses, to our children. We are to speak over our children every single day, words of faith, amen, words of love, words of encouragement. Never, ever put them down, judge them, condemn them, say words in anger because words can hurt. Are you with me? We need to pay special attention 
to our words. According to the scriptures, I didn't say that, God said that. Our words can propel us into our God-given destiny or imprison us to a life of fear, sickness, and death. All of a sudden, you get a prayer request, an urgent prayer. Someone is sick, needs your prayer. How do you pray? According to the scriptures, we have authority in our tongue to speak life to that person, to speak health and healing and deliverance. The word of God says God sends his word and heals us and delivers us from our destructions. That very word has been placed in our mouth. And all we need to do is believe it from our heart and speak it with our mouth. We don't have to pray for hours. Just speak the word in faith. Just as the centurion said to Jesus, you don't have to come to my house to lay your hands on my servant. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Only speak the word and my servant will be healed. He understood the power and the authority in Jesus' words. And those very words has been given to us to speak them, to meditate on them, and of course, to obey them. Furthermore, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2 says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. We can imprison ourselves to a life of fear and weakness and sickness and disease by the very words that proceed out of our mouth. This is the reason God instructed, I believe, Joshua to continually speak and say what the word says. The same instruction is given to us also to choose our words carefully and to say what God says. Not what your feelings tell you. Not what your emotions tell you. Your feelings may scream at you. Your body may say something else. Your circumstances may tell you something else. But what? What does the scripture say? We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith, not by feeling. We are to speak what God says. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Any word that does not agree with God's word, God's will is corrupt. It does not edify. It destroys. But speak what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. We can build up one another with our words or we can tear them down. Amen. In addition, we are to constantly meditate in God's word. In other words, learn to think the way God thinks. We talked about the importance of the renewed mind in our previous lessons. Paul writing to the church in Philippi said the following, Philippians 4 and verse 8. Writing to them, he says, finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
In other words, think about these things. And finally, we must be careful to obey the Lord's instructions. Obedience both to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and, of course, to the written instructions given to us in the New Testament. Obedience is the key. This is where we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, by submitting to the authority of the Word of God and being obedient to His will. Now, none of us can do these things without the thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. You've got to know what God thinks. You must know what he said. You must know what he promises you. If we keep our focus on God and on his promises, fulfilling our purpose, none of the things the devil throws at us will ever succeed. There will be no room, of course, in our hearts nor in our minds for the cares of this world. You know, your mind can only meditate on one thing at a time. You cannot worry and then meditate on the Word of God at the same time. Amen? There will be no room in your mind, in your heart, for the cares of this world, or the deceitfulness of riches, or the desires for other things to come into your mind and into your heart, and of course choke the Word of God and render you unfruitful as a disciple of the Lord. Now that we have covered the value and the importance of the Scriptures, in regards to being thoroughly prepared and equipped to walk in those good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, we will now study in detail the value and the importance of a consistent prayer life. The importance of having established a prayer life. Let me ask the question, what is prayer? I've, I've been asked this question many times. Well, prayer is many things, but primarily prayer is fellowship with the Father through Jesus, his Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Godhead are involved in our prayer. It's not just asking God for things. Sometimes prayer is simply waiting on God, just sitting at his, at his feet and enjoying his presence as you fellowship with him, as you converse with him, as you open up your heart and share your thoughts, whatever it is that you want to communicate to the Father. Through prayer, we also exercise our spiritual authority. And we engage in warfare as we join forces with God in bringing heaven down to earth. Notice how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He said, first of all, you say, this is the way you pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we bring the atmosphere of heaven here into this earth? Through petitioning our Heavenly Father through prayer, declaring His Word, praying the very will of God in our situation. For a family, for a community, 
for even a nation through prayer we minister to the lord we minister to the sinner we minister to the body of christ as well as to our families and to ourselves we need to understand folks that god has given the ministry of prayer to every believer in the body of christ we all have a ministry of prayer there is not one of us that has not been called by god to pray jesus said when you pray this is the way you do it he didn't say if you pray he said when you do it amen Many believers are waiting on God to give them some kind of a ministry without realizing that they already have a ministry from the Lord. You have been given a ministry and your ministry, I say this to you, will be birthed out of fervent prayer. Your calling will be birthed and will be revealed to you out of the fervent prayer that you pray. It's through prayer, I believe, that every other ministry is birthed and released. If we are unfaithful in the ministry of prayer, why would God entrust us with any other ministry? If we are too lazy to pray, if we are not disciplined enough in the place of prayer, why would God entrust you with anything else? And I guarantee you, he won't. God calls his people to pray. Prayer is a calling from God, and it is foundational to anything else God calls us to do. Without prayer, there would be no communion or fellowship with the Father. There would be no requests or petitions made. So when God gave us the ordinance of prayer as a means of communion with him, he literally gave us himself. That is why prayer, I believe, should occupy and receive our highest attention and priority and form an indispensable part of our daily lives. The Apostle Paul said, pray without ceasing. Notice how important and what value the apostle placed on prayer. In fact, he said, I pray more than you all. He was constantly in prayer. Why? Because prayer sustains our spiritual life and maintains our union with Christ. People who don't have a consistent prayer life are weak. They one day up, the next day down, one day in, the next day out. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. Jesus was in constant fellowship with his father while here on earth. He said that he did nothing unless he saw his heavenly father do it. And he said that he does not speak a word unless he heard his father speak. Well, how was he able to do that? By being in an attitude of prayer all day long. He inquired from the Father. He saw and he heard his Father in prayer, in the Spirit. And he was in constant communication with him. 
what a, what a life, uh, what a privilege that God has given us to know that he is always ready to receive and hear our prayers. Amen. Now let's look at, in closing, the session today, some of the benefits of prayer. First of all, prayer will prepare us for that which God has prepared for us. It will deliver us from limitations, mental restrictions, which have kept us in prisons of weakness. That's what primarily prayer does. It prepares you, your mind, your heart, your attitude for that which God has prepared for you to do. And it will deliver you. The psalmist said, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Prayer will deliver you from fear, from anxiety, from prejudice, from unforgiveness. And he will set us free from limitations and mental restrictions that have kept us perhaps for many, many years in a prison of weakness, spiritual weakness. Prayer will also free us from prejudice and will empower us and enable us to walk in the liberty and freedom of the Holy Spirit. Prayer will take you into places in the spirit and in the natural that nothing else will. It will create platforms for us to stand upon. It will open doors of utterance. It will give us entrance into families, communities, cities, and even nations for the purpose of influencing them for Christ and his kingdom. Prayer will do that for you. No other force and no other power has the ability to do that. Prayer will also mark the boundaries of your influence in Christ. You cannot influence people or situations beyond the boundaries of your prayers. You can only influence people you pray for. And people will know whether you're praying for them or not. Amen. If you want to influence someone, stop preaching to them and start praying. God will give you an opportunity to speak at the right time. Prayer also purifies our heart and mind, resulting in us by being separated from things that do not enhance the purposes of the kingdom or the purpose of God for our lives. The greater our prayer life, the greater will be the separation from the things of this world. In other words, our prayer will ultimately separate us from things and even people who do not enhance or strengthen the plan of God for your life. As you pray, God will separate them. As you pray, God will separate you from things that do not benefit you, that are not enhancing your faith. In fact, they are taking away from your faith rather than building your faith.
there will come a separation for the person who is consistent in his prayer life. And he prays fervently from the heart. I believe that no man or woman is greater than the prayer life. God's plans and his purposes for our lives are birthed and released only through the womb of prayer and fellowship with the Father. And that is the truth. Many things, I believe, which are in the mind and the plan of God for our lives remain unborn or aborted because we have not sought the Lord in prayer. Dreams that are given to us from God, plans, things, wonderful things that, that are part of our inheritance will remain uh, unborn or unbirthed if we do not seek the Lord fervently in prayer. The word declares in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through to 13, the following. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through to 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. There it is. Prayer therefore releases the birthing of God's purpose, God's thoughts, and God's plans for our life. Prayer will shape the future of our walk with the Lord in our divine destiny. My prayer life, for example, shaped my future and my destiny. I am where I am today because of the prayers I prayed yesteryear and many years ago. I'm not here by accident. I chose this path through the prayers that I have prayed for many years. So I'm not here by accident. I am where I'm supposed to be because in prayer this was revealed to me. Amen? Are you there? I trust that you're listening with your heart. I chose this path through my prayers and my prayers fueled my passion to be found in God's will regardless of the cost. In fact, my prayers guided me to the place where I am today exactly, geographically, spiritually, socially, and financially. You are there on the screen because I prayed for you many years ago. I called you from the north, from the south, from the east, and from the west. In my prayers, I would say, Lord, I release my sons from afar because you promised me in the book of Isaiah. So I call the north, I call the south, I call the east, I call the west to let go and release and free my sons and daughters in the Lord. So there you are. You are an answer to my prayers. You didn't just happen to be there. 
You didn't just happen to connect with me and with this ministry. You have been prayed into this family. And I say to the Lord, Lord, I only want those whom you have given to me. I don't want anybody else. Only those whom you have assigned to be part of my spiritual family. My prayers did that. Amen. Are you listening? God will do the same for you, folks, whatever your calling is. Before we moved to Cape Town, I prayed daily for months until I had the assurance from God that this is the place where he wanted me to be in the next season of my life. And now we are here for almost 29 years and we are still here with my family and will continue to be here until God says otherwise. You know what amazes me at times? is when I see spirit-filled believers making life-altering decisions without first praying about it and making sure it is the will of God for their lives to make such decisions. They will move from one job to another just because they will earn a little bit more money. They don't even consider to pray about it, whether there is any hidden agendas or any hidden trips, uh, traps from the enemy. They will move from one church to another, from one country to another, without even the witness of the Spirit, which comes out of fervent prayer about these matters. I personally believe that the failure of every Christian endeavor is related Number one, to the ignorance of the scriptures, and number two, to prayer failure. Real spiritual work, folks, is done and executed in our private time with the Lord. Not just public prayer. Thank God for public prayer. But private prayer alone with the Father in our prayer closet. That's where we pour our hearts out to God. That is where he reveals himself to us, his plans, his purposes. That is where he encourages us. He reassures us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. And whatever our need is at the moment. Without prayer, there can be no, no strong believer. I don't believe that. So it is my fervent prayer this year that not only we would give priority to the diligent study of the word of God, but we together will raise the level of our prayer life. Amen. Let's close this session with prayer and ask the Lord to guard and to protect the word that we've heard in order to bring forth fruit. Father, we thank you for your precious word. There are no words, no value that we can place upon your written word. For it is through the written word that you unveil to us the living word, which is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And you did send your word and you healed, you delivered us. You set us free from all of our enemies. Therefore, we thank you today for the preciousness of your word. 
forgive us that we have not given the attention, the study that we should have done with your word. Forgive us that we've neglected the knowledge of the scriptures. And we pray, Father, that you would enable us and help us to bring into our lives discipline, a systematic study of the word of God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.